everybody and welcome to another episode of the real dads podcast a real podcast about real movies hosted by fake dads i'm your host jordan smith and i'm joined here today he lives his life a quarter mile at a time it's roger brandsetter what up Raj? i tend to measure these things uh using the metric system but other i'm pretty good oh, 400 meters at a time is where roger likes to live his life i bring it up because before we get highbrow with some Oscar prediction slash debate a little bit later in the show, um, because we are very close to award season. Like, I don't know about you, but I kind of have been lollygagging on a lot of movies lately because I'm like, Oh, I have plenty of time. The awards are usually, especially the Oscars are like in February and they ramp up through January. And now we have until the end of April into May to figure out what to watch and how to utilize our time and resources. But of course I have procrastinated very, very heavily. So I'm going to have to watch like three Oscar nominated movies this year or this weekend. I should say. Yeah. There, there's just a lot of content and between just like random stuff, like the Disney plus shows and the QAnon doc and the Oscar stuff and just, standard regular shows that you want to watch uh there's just i'm in the same boat i think i still have minari and the father and so when we i think a note for when we do the predictions is that we haven't seen all of them but we do have access to the internet and can look up odds and that is quite helpful yeah huge caveat there um to get back to my original point uh before we hit all of that I wanted to talk a little bit about the new Fast 9 trailer that dropped uh, today, actually, on April 14th. I was not spending time watching Oscar movies this weekend. I actually took a little time and watched Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Um, That's how I spent some of my Saturday. What did you think of the trailer? Any, Any residual interest rub off? from me because of my hypedness for it or is it just kind of whatever this is something that's loud and obnoxious and in a movie theater and could be fun to check out i'm happy that people who like fast movies are going to get another fast movie but i'm not going to see it i'm good (laughs) my sorry (laughs) my ambition for this is because we're gonna get a i mean hopefully everybody's responsible enough to get vaccinated so we can have a summer uh this time around and we can actually get to movie theaters we can enjoy normal things and my wish is to get into the theaters starting in may check out this oh no they got pushed to june i think june 9th i believe is when black widow comes out and then we can go see fast nine as a community and then we can go see top gun maverick as a community that's my wish for the summer. And that is, that should be a motivator for everybody to get vaccinated and do their part to squash this. Yeah. Go get your shots, kids. This is a serious health crisis and I want to go to a goddamn movie. Yeah. it. I'll, I'll talk about the fast trailer because I was very excited for it. <laughs> um, I, I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I don't care if they don't get any sort of awards buzz. They are entertaining in my book. They are fun to just pop on like I did this weekend in the middle of the day and just grind it out second screen it while you're looking at other things or doing other things. And the fast nine trailer brought in a ton of fun elements. We got more, uh, Sung Kang who plays Han, who was killed off in the beginning of the seventh end of the sixth fast and furious movie. So I'm excited to see how they flip that. Um, Still loading the cast with great people. Charlize Theron's back. John Cena enters the fold. Uh, I'm just excited to see how they utilize these people. And like some of my favorite performances from actors are when they're just going full ham and just chewing the scenery because everything is made out of ham in these situations. And I just want to see him go for it. And that's what Charlize did in the last movie. And it was like hysterical to watch and, and very good. So I will be there on opening night to see this. That's unreal. I I've got to think Han must've just like 
I don't, I don't know how he died. Um, I'm assuming there's an explosion or some, something of that variety, right? Jason Statham kills him. <laughs> oh, that seems he, like it would be more permanent than, than he, uh, make, what's going on. <laughs> so what happens is he, oh man, th- this might be another podcast to explain, but basically the crux of it is that Jason Statham, Statham takes revenge on the fast family and goes after them. And he, hits Han with a car, the car explodes. We're led to believe that Han is dead. And, you know, like a movie later, Jason Statham's a good guy and helping Dom and the rest of them uh, defeat an even bigger threat who is Charlize Theron. So yeah, that's that's what happens. You know, by Fast 10, John Cena will be a good guy and because he's, he's Dom and Mia's brother in this movie. So it's, uh, it's all about family. Uh, I have a serious question. Is Vin Diesel still drinking Coronas that way that he drinks them where he like just wrecks the beer and just makes foams it up? Just absolutely throttles the neck of the beer with his full fist and just chugs it It's really like a a pencil grip on the very top of the beer and then he turns the whole thing up into his mouth. And I just, I got to think that someone who prizes speed and efficiency would drink a beer better, but you know, whatever. it's a, it's a tough look, you know. You would think that he would be more like a canned guy, though. He, he strikes me as like a guy who's just crushing shotgun beers and, you know, saving the glass for a different time. I don't know. That's just me. Um, should we do a quick Falcon and the Winter Soldier update and recap? Because we haven't really talked about it that much. No, I'm down. Okay, so spoilers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if you haven't caught up to it. Um, they are four episodes deep right now, and my initial note is that it's just better than I thought it was going to be. That was my thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's um, I, I think I like it more than WandaVision, but I think WandaVision might be a little bit more ambitious. And I guess what I mean by that is um, to tell like a kind of domestic story about grief and grieving um, not using the Marvel universe seems a little bit uh, of a harder plane to land than like, okay, we're going to take two Captain America characters who you generally like, and they're going to kick ass and take names and the names are um, winter soldier and uh, the Falcon. So I don't know. I like it a lot. It's I like uh, a lot of the I don't know. I know in group chat we uh, had to put up with some heresy uh, in people saying that maybe the action scenes weren't their favorite, but I don't know. They're very confident in action scenes. It's good to see Bucky back. It's good to see Falcon having his own like fighting style. Like I think the general consensus is he's going to be Captain America by the end of the season. And I don't know. It's good. I really, really like it. Yeah. As, as somebody who just spoke like five minutes straight on Fast and the Furious franchise, I can't really have a lot of highbrow concepts on like action sequences and what's working for me and what's not. I'm just like, you know what? This is an action scene. They're doing some cool stuff. Shout out to awesome stunt people who put in a lot of work on this as well. It's not just all CGI. Um, I'm not sure if I like it better than WandaVision because, yeah, like you said, WandaVision was a little bit more ambitious. Uh, It's definitely more like weird and goofy and in my wheelhouse. And it's it's really hard to beat out Catherine Hahn and all the great stuff she was doing in that as like a secondary character. Um, Sidebar, uh, Katie and I have been watching a lot of Kroll show on Paramount Plus. And one of the episodes Catherine Hahn uh, showed up in, and it was, she's just been doing this for years. She's a, an American treasure or Canadian treasure. I'm not sure where she's from, but I, she's so awesome. She's great. I think my first introduction to her was Step Brothers, And she's like, when, when you go back and actually watch that movie, she's stealing every single uh, frame that she's in. And she's, in a lot of great scenes with really great actors like Will Ferrell and Adam Scott and John C. Riley, just taking over for them. What I was going to say, 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, what I was going to say before too, is that if I think if Falcon and the winter soldier, like lands the plane a little bit more smoothly than WandaVision did, I have the wingsuit. Yeah. If they <laughs> land the wingsuit and reattach their cyborg arm a little bit more smoothly than WandaVision did, I, I think it can pass WandaVision in my TV power rankings. I think both are super high up on the list for me now in terms of Marvel properties. And if if you treat WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier like very long extended movies and kind of group them all together within the Marvel universe, I think they are snugly in the top 10 of properties. Uh probably if not in the top five, they're they're definitely inching their way in there and closer the more I think about it. I'm just what I want them to do in terms of closing out the series in these last two episodes is not make people really think about like the race implications of a black captain America or the, the, like the, the second guessing the underlying story that we've all been discussing and like good TV shows make you think about those things, but I really want them to go head on with it in the final two episodes. Like I want them to be like, Bucky, this is why he doesn't want to be Captain America, or this is why he doesn't feel like America is ready for him to be Captain America. Like, let me just tell this to you right here, right now, instead of like, I don't know. I feel like if they don't go head on with it and they leave the questions up to us, I feel like that they're just tiptoeing around it and they're too afraid to say that, yeah, um, why would Anthony Mackey's Sam Wilson want to represent America when he feels like America doesn't represent him. And I want them to say that just full stop. Yeah, that's super fair. I, I feel like just with what we've seen in the first four episodes that they, it seems like they're on track to do that. And I really hope they do. I would really like if uh, in episode five or the next one uh, in our current timeline, uh, if, Sam could get the shield back in the next episode so he can spend a full episode in six, like being Captain America. That'd be just peachy for me. Like I want to see a credible cap kicking ass before whatever the next film property he's in just to be hyped. I would like it to not close on him picking up the shield and going, well, I guess I'll be Captain America now. <laughs> but one of these like one of the main things I think these properties are doing, and I think WandaVision reminded us of that is not just to, or well, rather not really to set up a like movie or have this be a absolute must see to understand what's going to happen next. I think there's going to be a lot of probably some exposition and like actual feature films just so they can, you know, give service to the people who haven't taken the time to watch the shows, but actually like the movies or just the people who don't have Disney plus, uh, but you know, we'll, Losers. we'll treat themselves to going to a movie or catching it in some other form. Uh, I think the main idea here is just to give a little bit of service to the secondary characters, the non Chris Evans, non Robert Downey Jr.'s, the non Chris Hemsworth, like the guys who are, who are there, who people care about to some degree, but are like, we don't really know them that much. Um, and I think, especially in this last episode, we got a really, really great reminder that Anthony Mackie is like a star. He, like he is a very good actor and he was on full display with that in this last episode. So I, I'm excited to see what they do with him next. And I honestly hope it's a, it's a new trilogy for him. Uh, I know that's probably not the goal, but I, I would love to see it. Yeah. Same. What was, I forget the guys, new caps, uh, on a shout out, uh, new caps, like assistant, his friend. I don't, I forgot Battlestar. his name is Battlestar. I knew it was star something who just got absolutely wrecked in the last episode. Just very tough look for our guy. <laughs> It's it's extremely tough. I would like to know like why he was able to absorb some other hits from these super soldiers like in previous episodes, but then that last that last bit just went full concussion protocol and did not come out of it. 
tough look for our guy, Battlestar. Yeah, he's going back to the locker room. He might be back too. Like I wouldn't. It's Marvel. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know. I kind of. He's going to pull a Han. <laughs> he's going to come back, and John Walker is going to join the good guys. Um, well, one thing I wanted to talk to you about too was, do we honestly care who the power broker is? Because I don't. Um, I only do if it's someone we haven't met yet, I think, or if it's someone from like phase one who they're like, oh, by the way, Thunderbolt Ross is back. (laughs) But like, that's kind of it. Like if it ends up being Sharon Carter, I'm, I don't know. Who cares? I think this is where we kind of see the, it's going to be like Captain America Civil War, where we feel like we're going on this path to this big showdown. Like the first time you are civil war, you're like, Oh, they're Zemo is going to unleash these super soldiers that are in Russian cryo in Serbia. And they're going to have to team up and that's how they reconcile and defeat these guys. But actually the, the antagonist and the demon all along was the fracture within the team that was growing progressively over the course of the movie. And I think the power broker is not going to be the like a primary antagonist. I don't think we're going to care that much once we get that reveal. And I think the real like storyline is going to be like the conflict between being, being Captain America and being like a symbol for the United States. And it's more about the story that's going on between Sam Bucky and John Walker, who is, a juiced up loner now who just killed a guy on Facebook live. Yeah. Very tough look for him too. Yeah. I think the power broker might end up being the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Yeah. The power broker is actually uh, Baron Zemo's fur lined jacket that we got from. Yeah. Can we talk about Baron Zemo for a sec? He is just on one. This entire run has been incredible he's uh one pretty like he's not good at dancing no one's going to say he's good at dancing but he's definitely having a good time out there on that dance floor but you gotta respect him for like you don't have to be good you just got to be enjoying yourself yeah if you are in the right headspace if you have and project confidence i think people are just going to enjoy being around you and especially if you like have private jet money apparently he's royalty for you and your friends went and destroyed his country, Jordan. He's flush with cash. He's just dropping one-liners and little nuggets of wisdom all over the little place. Little nuggets of Turkish delight. And it's honestly hard to remember that he wasn't even in like the first two episodes of the series. Like he's only been here for two episodes, really. And he's like, he's all we've been able to talk about for like two to three weeks now. He just has... uh a pretty interesting energy. I don't know. I like Daniel Brühl too, just as a an actor and a Tarantino alum. Always putting in a great performance from him. I've been seeing these uh, tweet prompts around the internet of actors who always understand the assignment, and Daniel Brühl always, always understanding the assignment. And this is a very good case for that. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he, or maybe people just know that he's really good at this one thing where he's just kind of this weird, like Germanic dude. <laughs> yeah, just toss him in there and relatable. Well, let him work. I, I think one of the interesting things that I've seen get brought up too is that he and um, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan just have really good chemistry with each other. Like it seems like they have been hanging out with each other not just on screen, but off screen. And I don't know if that's a tribute to or to Daniel Rule or like Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. I've seen do like press circuits before Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they're like talking to each other and they're like teasing Tom Holland and stuff like that. So there's a, like a real chemistry between those two. And I think Daniel Rule also just adds to that like chemical mixture to to make some really good on-screen chemistry. You know, it reminds me of a little bit is, um, you know, in the hangover where I, where Doug goes missing and then like Bradley Cooper and Ed Helms and Zach Galifianakis aren't necessarily like 
the like they're, we're not each other's best friends, but we're all friends with this guy and we're all friendly. That is what it feels like. Are you saying Captain America, Steve Rogers is stuck on the roof in Vegas and we're, we're having a better time without him right now? Um, we did have to have a whole talk during Avengers about language and I, it, it's entirely possible. He did go back in time to like get married and like slow dance, which like love Peggy Carter, but come on, Cap. Oh, look for Captain America. I think that makes John Walker, Leslie Chow, and I'm trying to make some other comparisons to that movie now. It's a, it's a pretty good one. I'm a little proud of that. Is the shield Mike Tyson's tiger? I'd like that's what I want to know. The shield is Mike Tyson. <laughs> um okay. Falcon and the Soldier, episode five coming up, very hyped over an hour, and then episode six. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the shield gets back into Anthony Mackey's hands, like we've been led to believe from promos before the series started. Who knows? Uh, should we get to some Oscar predictions? Who's Oscar? Yeah, let's do it. Oscar the Grouch. Um, no, the 93rd trash can. Question mark, 93rd um, Academy Awards. Our friend, Zach, our mutual friend, Zach, um, asked us to help kind of sort out some Oscar predictions for a fundraiser, like a, a charity type thing that his aunt does. And like you buy in that buy in money goes to a charity of choice and the winner just wins. But winning's winning. I love winning and I want to be right about things. So he asked us for a little bit of insight on what we might be deeming here as the Winners, we only broke down a few categories, and we're going to look at Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Picture, and I threw Best Director on there as well because I think that will be a fun category. Um, Let's start at the top. Let's start with Best Actor. Who do we think of... Is that the top? What do you mean? Is that the top of the awards show, or is that best, or is that top alphabetically? That is at the top of my Google Doc that I have set up. So that's just oh. Oh, the one you sent me. That is the I'll... proverbial top that I'm speaking of. Sorry, I'm going between tabs. Well, I feel like this one's. Um... Well, first, let me uh, let me just say again who the nominees are for those listening. Uh, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Not the five bloods, but that's a different discussion. Anthony Hopkins for the father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yun for Minari. What did the odds uh, say on best actor? Uh, we have Chadwick Boseman at minus 3,300. So, uh, and no one else is, uh, you're going to make money if you bet on anyone else and they win. Uh, Anthony, the closest one is Anthony Hopkins at plus 1,000. So you would uh, pay it's 10 to 1 winnings for that one for Chadwick Boseman you'd have to pay 330 to win 100 I think I always forget how to read these anyway Vegas says that Chad Boseman is definitely going to win and I I feel like that's accurate it's it is a really good performance and there's going to be the sentimental vote and this seems like a shoe went to me yeah this category I don't feel like has had any sort of wavering on I think it kind of has always been Chadwick Boseman even before the uh, awards season got into full swing um, some of the other awards he's won posthumously now for this best actor category includes the Golden Globes Critics Choice Screen Actors Guild um, and he was nominated for the BAFTA but he didn't win the BAFTA Anthony Hopkins won that just two weeks ago now, I believe. Uh, so that is kind of where you might be able to see Anthony Hopkins sneaking in there. I haven't seen he the father the yet. Yeah. What does BAFTA stand for? Is the first letter British? I it's I know it's a British award, but I don't know <laughs> if that's what it means. It, it's probably British Academy for home on the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. Anyway, yes. I don't think that he's going to get it in America. Yeah, there's there's a slight chance, and I think that's where his odds get boosted up a little bit better. 
I don't know. I don't think like Gary Oldman is fifth on this. I believe. I, I don't think there is any sort of rallying for Gary Oldman or like Mank is not getting a lot of love in general. So that's another way to look at this is like looking at whether these are empty nominations or if they're getting some love in other categories, whether that's best picture or best director. Um, well, Mank is nominated for best director, but there's not uh, there's not a whole lot of love I'm seeing from other award shows going into this. It seems like people best supporting actress too, I guess. Yeah, it seems like people I, feel like Mank came out a little long ago to still be relevant relative to some of the ones that came out more recently, which fair enough, but I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I don't think that Gary Oldman deserves this over. Gosh, I haven't seen Minari, but I feel like I'm going to like Stephen Young better than Gary Oldman's performance. I just like Stephen Young better than Gary Oldman generally. Uh, I take back what I said though. Mank has actually got some other nominations going for it here, but you're right. Like I watched Mank in December and that feels like an eternity ago. Like that was at least four, four to five months ago that I've seen this movie. Three years ago. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Time is relative. Um, let's move on to best supporting actor. Um, the best supporting actors nominated for the Academy Awards this year are Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat 2. Just kidding. He's nominated for <laughs> Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and Not. the Black Messiah. <laughs> Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield also for Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, what does Vegas say? Uh, Vegas has Daniel Kaluuya at minus 1,400. Uh, next closest is Borat, uh, i.e. Sasha Barrett Cohen, uh, i.e. Abby Hoffman in The Trial of Chicago 7 at plus 900. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr., i.e. Aaron Burr. Should we just keep doing these for all of these people uh, as plus 1400 Paul Racy's plus 1400 <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield is plus 2500. Uh, so Daniel Kulia has uh, the best odds at this point by a pretty decent margin. I was about to say that I thought this category would be a little bit murkier um, just because I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of different, a lot of different conversations revolving around best supporting actor and like, especially the split between trial, the Ch or not trial, the Chicago Judas and the black Messiah, because they have two best supporting noms there. And Daniel Kaluuya could have went in best actor or best supporting actor. Uh, same with the Keith Stanfield, but looking at the awards that have already passed, Daniel Kaluuya has swept basically. Um, he's won the PSIFF International Star Award, Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG, BAFTA, and he's nominated for the Academy Award, which we don't know if he's won yet, and that's the only nomination so far that he hasn't locked up. So I think it's actually DK's to lose. And Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> uh, actually stands for Drift King. Uh, shout out to my <laughs> shout out to my Tokyo Driftheads. <laughs> um, I think there's an outside chance for Sasha Baron Cohen, but I don't think it's very large. Like I think it would be pretty tough if he beat out Daniel Kaluuya, who was just throwing absolute heaters in his movie. Yeah, I'm beginning to realize that. Um... Daniel Kaluuya's uh, SNL hosting was a very calculated thing on, I'm assuming, his agent or manager's part. Because that was recently, I think that was two weeks ago, and it's Oscar season, and Oscars are very soon, and that was very calculated. And I just put that together. Yeah. Um, so to recap the predictions so far with not a lot of debate out of either of us, uh, Chadwick Boseman for Best Actor, Lock It In. Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor, lock it in. Uh, let's go to Best Supporting Actress. Maybe this will have a little bit of variance here. Uh, what Seems we have here tighter. is Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day for Billie Holiday, or the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. So point Which of the order, I think say. he 
I think you might have said best supporting actress, and I just want to clarify that's best actress. But oh, did I? I'm okay. Best best actress. No, my bad. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is plus one twenty five. Viola is plus one eighty seven. So that one, this one's actually close. They're all they're within shouting distance or singing distance. Um, in Viola's case, Frances McDormand is plus four fifty. Uh, Andre Day is plus six hundred. Vanessa Kirby is plus 1,000. So it seems like Vegas thinks it's between Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis with Francis McDormand as, um, I mean, plus 450 is not like nothing, especially because the other ones are um, on the plus side of the odds. So for viewers who aren't, um, I don't think we're addicted to gambling, but I definitely like it. Um, you would bet $100 and win. If someone's plus 125, you would bet $100 and then you'd win $125. So the odds are, know, the higher they go, the, the less chance Vegas thinks they have, but Vegas might not. Anyway, so uh, Carrie Mulligan is what Vegas thinks it's going to win. Well, what did the awards shows say in terms of who they think is going to win? Um, so right now, it looks like Viola is leading in terms of awards, but I think that's, in part for winning the SAG award for best actress. Um, otherwise, Frances McDormand won the BAFTA a couple of weeks ago for best actress. Uh, Carrie Mulligan won the Critics' Choice Award. And Andre Day, I think, is the one that's kind of throwing this for a loop because she snuck in there and got the um, the win for from the Golden Globes. Um, so she uh, hasn't really made a whole lot of noise outside of that in terms of major awards goes, but that definitely throws a wrench. And I think if like the golden globes had gone to, or if that award had gone to Carrie Mulligan or Francis McDormand or Viola Davis, then they would be the front runner. This one's Gosh. tough. I don't know. It is tough. Like the two being both within plus whatever of each other is, um, it's probably going to be one of those two. Vegas very rarely is like super off. There is a case to be made for Francis McDormand. Um, and I think the SNL, yeah, the SNL thing applies to Carrie Mulligan too. Yeah, I, um, my favorite and the one who I think should just win is Viola Davis because I think she, um, she did like the physical transformation. She did the singing. She did the acting, which was just an absolute knockout. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was just a, a phenomenal movie, even though it's not nominated for Best Picture. It probably could have been and should have been. Um, Frances McDormand, I think the movie overall, like we'll get to it in a second, but Nomadland and Chloe Zhao, I think, are going to be Bringing home, bringing home some hardware in and of themselves that voters might feel like, ah, we don't have to give this to Frances McDormand again uh, because she already has a statue or two. And Carrie Mulligan, while Promising Young Woman was a really good movie, um, it was uh, quite the thinker and very dark. And I can't wait to see what Emerald Fennel does next. I don't know if Carrie Mulligan stood out a whole lot for me in that movie. I think her part could have been played by someone else at the same time. That's not to take away from her performance. She was still really good, but I don't think it was like a role that only she could do. Um, then Andre Day is just, she was phenomenal in her movie, but the United States versus Billie Holiday was not a good movie. So that definitely hurts her odds. Gosh, I feel uh, I feel similarly about Carrie Mulligan, where I loved her performance and she was fantastic in it and definitely elevated the movie. But I feel like there's I can think of a few actresses who probably could also fill that role. Um, so for me, I guess the pick could be between Frances McDormand and Viola Davis. And to your point regarding Frances McDormand already having won, I really feel like the Academy very often will do the thing where they're like, well, this is a person who's won before, so they must deserve it again versus the way that I tend to think about it, where I think they've won, so we should spread the love a little bit because this changes people's careers. I don't know. Between Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Nomadland, I definitely like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom more, but I really think that the Oscars are going to go with Francis McDormand this year. 
I think if I was a gambling man, Francis McDormand is maybe the safest bet just because the way we've talked about the previous two categories, if Chadwick Boseman and Daniel Kaluuya win uh, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, respectively, I do not think that the Oscars are that new age and in touch with the pulse of America to be like, yeah, let's give it to Viola Davis and just have these three categories be dominated by black people. I don't think the Academy has evolved over the course of a year. Like that's just not something that's going to happen. So I I'm putting on my pessimistic hat and saying it's going to be Frances McDormand, who is just, I love her. I think she's great in everything she's done, but she's a retread. And we've seen this like a thousand times with the Academy. They just, they go with what's, what they know and what's comfortable. And especially if a movie like Nomadland really hit home for them for whatever reason, you know. I have an Amazon Prime account. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't live in my van. Um, Let's roll (laughs) on to Best Supporting Actress. Um, We have Maria Bakalova for Borat 2. That one's actually true. That one's not a joke this time. It is Borat 2. We have Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, which is a movie. Um, We have Olivia Coleman for The Father. We have Amanda Seyfried for Mank. And then we have Yu Jong-yeon for Minari. What do the Vegas odds say? Uh, Vegas has, I don't, I've not practiced pronouncing Yu Jong-yeon. How do you say her name? Gosh, enunciate. I don't want to butcher her name, but she's uh, leading the odds at minus 163. Maria Bakalova is plus 250. Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elgy is plus 550. Olivia Coleman's plus 1,000. Amanda Seyfried plus 1,200. So Minari is leading this race at this point uh, with Maria Bakalova at plus 250. It seems like Yoon Yoo Jung is probably uh, in the lead here, but what what have the awards shown thus far? Oh, the awards so far are supporting your theory. Um, Yoo Jung Young is, I think she seems to have pulled ahead. Um, I Once we kind of got to that turn of like Minari being available for basically everybody for um, access to stream on, you know, prime or wherever you can rent your movies uh because she is like since that happened pulled down a sag award win and a bafta win um maria bakalova was probably a sneaky favorite before that because she had won um the critics choice award and glenn close had oh she doesn't have any wins Olivia Coleman doesn't have any wins and amanda seyfried doesn't have any wins so it looks like it's a two-horse race in this regard um I, I want to say Yu Jung Young is going to win because Minari is showing up in other places, whereas Borat 2 is like just not. Yeah, I, I, that would be my pick. Again, I'm brushing up on the like actual awareness and wokeness of the Academy and whether or not they want to do this or give it to Maria Bakalova because they're like, hey, fellow young kids look at us watching borat too you know yeah i it's hard to ignore the odds at this point um for young you young you young i looked it up uh, while you're talking so i think that young you young and i think that because you if you were betting a hundred dollars or no i'm sorry if you bet 163 dollars you would win 100 and so she's the only one where the odds are less than one to one and Vegas likes her. So that's, that's my, opinion. it's one thing if there's multiple actresses or actors or movies or directors or whatever that are kind of close to each other, but it's another entirely when one is clearly favored by the odds makers. And so young, you young, you just won the Academy Award. Congratulations. Yes. You'll love to see it. I, I haven't seen Minari yet, <laughs> but I, I think I'll crush that this weekend. And by all accounts, it's a beautiful movie. So I hope it gets recognized for that. And there's a lot of, there has been a lot of conversation about just how it's being treated and how it was kind of previously treated as like a foreign 
film, even though it's like a very American movie made about people in their lives in America. And just because they're not speaking English does not mean it is not an American movie. So I hope that Minari certainly keeps up this momentum. Yeah, there's a case to be made that um, in the present climate where there's like rising like violence against Asian Americans, that Minari is an incredibly important movie. Um, and I would expect that if it wins any categories that that will be mentioned. And I would like to place a prop bet on that. Prop bet on that and just parlay it with best actor and best supporting actor. And, and you got yourself some good cash for for your betting days. Um, let's skip it down. I want to get best picture last because that's the last award of the night. And it's the most important award of the night. Let's go right to best director. Uh, so effects. Yeah. We're going to go with best original short. Um, the best director category sorts out like this Thomas Vinterberg for another round starring Mads Mikkelsen, which is a movie I haven't seen yet and has shown up in no other real capacity uh, in these awards that we've just talked about. David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. And the Vegas odds say... Uh, Vegas says Chloe Zhao is winning this one. <laughs> it's not particularly close. Uh, it's minus 1,000 for Chloe Zhao. The next closest is Dave Fincher at plus 900. Uh, so that's a pretty big swing. Uh, Lee, Lee Isaac Chung is plus 1,200. Thomas Vinterberg uh, is plus 1,400. Emerald Fennel is plus 2,000. So Chloe Zhao is Vegas odds on favorite. That's if you're doing a bracket, Zach, the, that is what I would pick. Yeah, it's Chloe Zhao without even uh, hesitation. I'm trying to think of some sort of sports equivalent for this run. It's like, it's like, it's like LeBron. Um, if he played basketball any given year, you sh- should just give him the MVP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because right now you're not voting for anybody else unless you're just trying to be like a hipster academy member right now. But Chloe Zhao has won every major award this award season, and nobody else has won anything. So she is, is that. Literally, has no one won any of the awards? Um, I mean, I guess I'm curious between the other four, if any have won uh, over the others. I mean, they may have won some more smaller, like obscure awards that are just not on here. But the Indie Spirit Awards and the Oscars are the only ones that have not issued their winners yet. Um, Otherwise, Chloe Zhao has won the... um, the New York Film Critics' Choice Award, the LA Film Critics' Choice Award, uh, the NSFC, I'm not sure what that is. NSFW. The PSIFF Director of the Year, Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice, the Directors Guild Awards, and the BAFTA. Um, yeah, nobody else has a win for any of those major awards. And Maybe we should have just started with best director because it's Chloe Zhao and a lock parlay her with best actor, best supporting actor and, and best actress do that. What do we got next? Uh, Last but not least, we will hit up best picture. Um, So the nominees are as follows. The father, Judas and the black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Eight films, all with varying degrees of success and critical acclaim. But I'm going to ask what the Vegas odds are saying right now. And I'm going to guess that there's a significant front runner. And it is the movie that is directed by Chloe Zhao. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so Nomadland is the only one where uh, it is favored to win trial of the Chicago. Okay. No man land is minus four fifty. trial. Chicago seven is plus 600. Minari is plus 1200. Promising young woman is plus 1400. Mank is plus 2,500. Judas and black Messiah is plus 2,800, which is a shame and a travesty, but so it is. And then there's a big old jump. Sound of metal is plus 8,000. The father's plus 8,000. So no man land it seems is the bet to win 
you can make a case for trial of the Chicago seven. We made a strong case for Judas and the black Messiah, but uh, if you're going to be betting and trying to win prizes, nomad land is your pick. What have the awards thus far said? Yeah, right now, um, unfortunately, it looks like Judas and the Black Messiah would be uh, bringing up the rear end. Uh, even though they do have an AFI Top 10 award, uh, which the father does not have. They don't have any major wins yet. Um, Trial of the Chicago 7 has an, a SAG Ensemble award. Uh, other than that, Minari has a Sundance Grand Jury Prize win, Sundance Audience Award. But Nomadland has kind of been taking the awards that Chloe Zhao has won as well. Whether that's the Gotham Awards, the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, Producers Guild, BAFTA. Uh, it's just the TIFF People's Choice Award. They've been winning everything. Um, at this point, I think we would really need like a like a frozen envelope moment of La La Land winning best picture. But wait, actually it's moonlight and the moonlight in this case would probably be Minari, but just based on the odds and the awards, if I was a betting man, I would say Nomadland. If I wanted to see something fun happen on awards night, I'm like, give me Minari or give me trial or Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a movie that I actually really loved and I'm going to revisit several times over, you know, the course of the next couple of years and onward because I, I think it was that good. I would like to uh, just visit, I don't necessarily want to live in, but I would like to visit the universe where um, Trial of the Chicago 7 wins because that Aaron Sorkin acceptance speech is going to be a doozy. Is he going to be in like the hotel lobby of a Four Seasons again? He's going to morph into Jed Bartlett and just give this whole thing. It's going to be a, a little bit of JT from Social Network, a little bit Martin Sheen and West Wing. And he's just going to like go off and there's going to be a lot of big words. And he's going to say like a lot of things that make you go like, huh. And then like, it'll be done. And he'll say one thing at the very end where you don't, you're just like, what? Wait. And then that that'll be it. But I hope they rig like a trolley cam in his house and he's just walking down a hallway. Him and his binders full of women. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I want him to be just surrounded by women again to remind us that... <laughs> I've never met a man. To try to for, for make us forget that he is a man in this category. Oh, man. Um, I will say, I think the the Moonlight La La Land thing was... Um, both of them deserve to win. Uh, Moonlight's clearly like the better film, but I feel like those were like more neck and neck, and I don't feel like anything's anywhere near Nomadland's neck at this point in the process. You know, what For I something think else, if they had an envelope moment, I'd be shocked if uh, Minari or anything else really besides Nomadland won. This is the besides the point, but I feel like La La Land caught a lot of unnecessary flack like as a movie because they were the name that was accidentally said at the award show. And even though Moonlight won, like they act like La La Land tried to take the award away from them and that knocks it down a few pegs. But you're right. I think La La Land and Moonlight were both good movies in their own right. Like neither one deserved it more so over the other. Now your mileage might vary on that. And people might, you know, get upset by the fact that I'm saying this, but yeah, Nomad Land might be a pretty strong winner right now but there is a lot of momentum for minari and some of the things about nomadland that were a little bit negative when it first dropped on like hulu are starting to resurface again whether it's the amazon stuff or um the portrayal of like the gig economy i, I saw an article earlier this week about that like resurfacing itself i know the voting period is like over for the oscars i believe but yeah, just something to, to keep in mind as Minari has been picking up a little bit of momentum. Oh, whoa. Uh, voters only have six days to decide their picks for the best pick of the Oscars. So whenever they get their envelope, they have six days. That's wild. Did, did the voting period end? I feel like it, it has or it should have. It has to have, right? Uh Quick, talk about Fast and Furious while I'm looking this up. So anyway, let's talk about the intro of Fast and Furious 7. 
Yeah, I'm not finding it. Let's just say it's close at this point. Oh. Um, I think what the odds are being driven by are people who are known Academy members blabbing and snitching. Yeah, I also, I did see an article. I want to say it was Hollywood Reporter or LA Times that were like three anonymous Academy Award voters tell you how they voted this year. Like that came out like yesterday. And I'm like, wow, they're already at it. It's probably not any indication of how the awards will go, but it's like you seriously can't trust these people. And I think that's hilarious. If you base your bet on a snitch, you deserve to lose your money. That's that's it. That's all I'm saying. Apparently, Academy voters are all cops. So <laughs> based on uh, past winners, that may not be wholly inaccurate. Well, there you go. Um those are the Oscar predictions, and it was supposed to be a little bit of a debate section, but really, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to debate, and there's not a lot of variance this year in terms of what movies have been winning. It seems like there is a pretty set consensus, and that doesn't make a, for a very fun Oscar ceremony. I hope Steven Soderbergh, who is like directing and doing everything for this show puts on like a really good show because he's Steven Soderbergh and he's great, but that'll, that'll be something to look forward to in terms of awards ceremony. I think if you're looking for some surprise wins, we might be in for a little bit of a flat night. Yeah. I, there might be some surprises in other categories where movies that aren't the top flight best picture winners. Like I saw one of the things was like tenant was leading for best, uh, visual effects. So I don't know. There'll be, I think there will be a diversity of voices in both terms of sex, gender, skin color, of uh, type of movie, possibly language. Like, I don't know. It should be a good time. Yeah, hopefully. Um, well, thanks for joining us. If you made it to the end of the podcast, we appreciate you very much. Uh, don't forget to keep on subscribing to the real dads podcast uh we'll break down the oscars a little bit more as we get closer maybe we'll dive into some minor categories or talk more specifically about some in some movies we haven't touched on yet uh who knows maybe we'll even talk about the 2022 oscar race and when fast nine is the leading best picture for for that award season uh we might have to get into that a little bit i think I think you mispronounced No Time to Die, starring Daniel Craig as James Bond. Top Gun Maverick, best picture <laughs> where you at. All right. Thanks, Real Dads listeners. You've been great. Bye.